Welcome to the Evolution of Innovation podcast, supplying you with the tools and insights to access your business's full potential. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're picking up again with Tim Middleton of Havas People, continuing our conversation about creating vibrant company cultures that pull for innovation. And I think the other thing with, with this millennial, boomer, Gen Z, this we've never had a, a, a workforce mixed with so many different generations at one time. But you also have to think of the context of what millennials came into. The generations above them were stuck. We had a bunch of downturns. We didn't have as much opportunity to get the jobs we wanted and to be promoted as quickly or as fastly as we wanted. So then you get those ideas of, oh, they're job hoppers. Oh, they move around. Well, millennials are only doing that because they're being forced to, to mm-hmm. make the money they need to make yeah. to get the life they need to get. So when I talk to, to my team and, and when I talk just in general about employees, I really try to stay away from those super narrow definitions of these generations because global impact and, and societal change has really created what we see of them and what we think they are. I've only had three jobs in the time since I graduated college. That's very different than, than what you would expect a millennial would be. So again, kind of, I think what's the interesting, the really interesting opportunity for practitioners of culture, practitioners of values, of purpose, of employees, forget the employee stats and the data and all of that stuff. That's why looking at the consumer stuff is really interesting because there is no difference. What we want out of a brand is the same whether we're buying or we're working for it. And that's where I think we need to get as as a as a industry, as a society. That's that innovative thinking for me is what you've been doing is wrong by siloing, by by yeah. compartmentalizing employees versus people. It's it's just yeah. not right. Well I was gonna say is like I, I think there was a, a point that you brought up that is important is that not only employees, the siloing between employees and consumers, mm-hmm. but also millennials, Gen Zs, mm-hmm. and baby boomers is is really it's a it's also a mindset. Yeah. Like you know, you start talking about you can have people that are fifty five years old acting like they're twenty nine. Exactly. So it's it's a mindset or a modality that, that the individual is in, mm-hmm. and not just strictly saying, "Oh, you're twenty two. This is what you yeah. should be." Yeah. And because they may have had their first boss as a baby boomer that has trained them in their mindset is a very different mindset exactly. than their fellow uh, millennials. Yeah. And it's it's an interesting thing we see at progressive companies who actually understand the value of these different generations, cascading member- mentorship and mm-hmm. reverse mentorship, right? So yep. building these simultaneously, three, four, yeah, yeah, three yeah. four, five mm-hmm. groups of people who are at all different levels would represent all those different generations and letting them all mentor each other. That becomes such a powerful so thing. Sure. Yeah, so it's it's not a bad thing to no. have this widespread population of, of of people in your organization. It's 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 a really good thing because that institutional knowledge can get passed down, which you really need to have happen. I, I met with a, a law firm a while back um, who said they wanted to do something with innovation mm-hmm. and. The meeting was just uh, could not figure out what I was doing there. Yeah, um, and yet at the same time they were ranked very high in their diversity. Interesting to the point where it was etched on a piece of kind of a milk glass on the way in, mm-hmm. and I was really like, "Wow, we're we're nowhere near our conversation for innovation <laughs> here." But so I finally just stopped. I said, 
tell me about the, the diversity thing. He said, oh, yeah, we're like, we're like number one. I'm like, well, how did that come about? He's like, oh, well, six years ago they did a report and we were at the bottom. Now, I expected there to be a little more noble reasons for why they did what they did. But no, they, they got shamed into it. Okay. Okay. So, so but I said, I said, well, oh, okay. Well, okay. But now that you're there, I really see that you guys wear this, like, right on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's the best thing ever. So, well, what did you discover in the process? And with full sincerity, this guy tells me, he's like, we figure out problems so much faster. Wow. <laughs> it's like shocking, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's, um, you know, I remember having that experience in that meeting of, like, trying to th- show how things could work out mm-hmm. and realizing, oh, they're getting buried with, they see, uh, a lot of people get overwhelmed by this conversation because they see it all as, now I just gave you a list of 100 new challenges mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. if you didn't have enough going on. Yeah. And really, when you're a systems thinker or a, a design practitioner or a, a systems designer, our job is to actually find elegant solutions. We see opportunities in this that all these little challenges, when viewed through the right lens, or like you say, Chuck, developing that kind of sensibility that we're talking about, this is actually the the, the ingredients mm-hmm. for your transformation in your organization. Mm-hmm. It's just knowing how to kind of skillfully arrange them in a way that, yeah, you could actually create meetings with people to establish where you are right now, give people an opportunity to air it all out. Here's now what we're really creating. Here's some of the structures we're going to put in place. We think that having, uh, you know, uh, a buddy system Mm -hmm. that goes, Mm -hmm. you know, up and down the line through all the generations, we're going to put something, you can very easily start to put in structures and feedback loops and measurement systems that within a very short amount of time is going to yield new ideas, new results, happier people. So I always that's always my message to people. Like, no, all those little challenges, all those things are not individual things that need to be handled one by one. Yeah. This is a, these are the ingredients to play with. They're the key to unlock the, the, the opportunity for innovation right there. It's, you know, I want to get to a place where innovation and these types of discussions, it's, it's less about the intimidation mm-hmm. and it's more about the opportunity it lends to, to, to your organization or to you as a person. Um, I think you're right. Innovation is an intimidating term because we have attached it to such phenomenal things. I've been really big on the moon landing 50th anniversary mm-hmm. on, on this weekend. So watching a lot of those programs, the innovations there were were sometimes, yes, Velcro and, and these amazing products that we've come out of it. But oftentimes it was just born out of necessity or born out of just having conversations, just changing one little piece of perspective to all of a sudden unlock. It was also iteration. It was also mm-hmm. all of all of these things we're talking about. The the moon program is a is a great kind of example of innovation. Mm-hmm. Of, kind of cluster of, points of it. Of having yeah. a strong leader who says, hey, guess what? We have to do this. Of having failure and learning from that failure and not hiding that failure of of all of these kind of collaboration, diversity, you know, we're, we're finally finding out how diverse the, the crew behind launching the rockets was. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's actually a perfect synthesis of this conversation. Now that I think about it, you know, the race to get there, but just in, just what you were saying about that law firm. Okay. What are you doing now with the diversity moving forward? What were we doing with the space program moving forward? Allegedly we could have gone to Mars in 10 years. Von Braun thought we didn't. Mm-hmm. We just gave up. 
So that's the biggest part of, of innovation for me is it's a never ending process either. You can't just creating your values, any, any of this um, information we're talking about, your values don't stay the same forever. You have to keep going back to them yeah. and updating them and checking them. Well, and, giving, and giving people in your organization the pathways to actually have them be alive yep. because yeah. that, that's a great example. It's like we hit the moon and how many years we've been patting ourselves on the back for it versus like, yeah, like great. What next? Yeah, yeah now yeah. now what what's what was it about that that was so intrinsic to us and like well if we're really you know this is um when we talk about how to engage people a lot of times it's a context shift mm-hmm. and sh- I should probably say all the time <laughs> you know but in sometimes in very real terms people are saying are being told like your job is to produce X results yeah. and you have entire company cultures just driven by spreadsheets and data not realizing that oh if you actually were engaging people in a process where they don't know yet you're going to surface all of your issues like fear of failure mm-hmm. people's ability to handle ambiguity training them in the thought process and then discovering that new value but boy the cynicism I mean people's people's love of work and creativity is driven out of them when your job is to create a new revenue stream that's going to deliver X. Mm-hmm. Whereas in innovation sessions where you're really working with people, okay, so now what if, what if your job is to create experiences for people to discover? Mm-hmm. Like what if your job as a, as a toy company, what, what if we're in the business of discovery? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, now you're going to get 100 ideas in a day. And that's the real fun because now you got something you can run out there, you can... Iterate, prototype, mm-hmm. get feedback mm-hmm. on, and really be versus how are we going to make 5% more next quarter? Yeah. Yeah, Sean, I, I think the you bring up a couple of good points, but like the first is feeding off, Tim, your, your comment about um, the value proposition and all those strategic documents, like mm-hmm. a business model, yep. like your value proposition, your consumers, all those things that you're building out, your, your consumer journeys or employee journeys. Um, they're living documents. They're yep. fluid. Yep. They change rapidly. Yeah. They're not like, let's look at it every three to four years. It's not shelved and then dealt yeah. with later. Yeah. yeah. And I think that comes to a lot of what you're talking about is the that innovation process. Yeah. Is if you can establish what that process looks like, you can deal with the ambiguity mm-hmm. because you have a process to lean in on and trust. You always say, you know, hear people, trust the process, trust the process. Well, if you have a good process in place, you really can. And that will get you to not only a lot of uh, times you're talking about, well, if we're at A and we want to go to B. Well, if you know how to get there, you don't, it's not going to be, there's a level of innovation, but it's it's not going to be transcendent. Like you need to, if you want to get to D or number two or pi or whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you need to go through that. That space of failure, trying Absolutely. iteration, yeah. and, and going through that, and once again, you have to rely on a process because you can't, you don't know where you're going. I mean, it, you know, I always get into these weird analogies or similes or whatever it is, but it's you know, the rock, the piece of glass in the ocean that gets mm-hmm. beat down till it's smooth and it's wonderful. That's what iteration is. That's what failure is. That that failure is refinement. It's getting to a place where that process mm-hmm. is something you can look to and point to and say, hey, this process works believe in it, trust it. The The other thing, I just don't want to, to lose this thought, going back to, to, to your point, Sean, there are organizations, though, where it is just spreadsheet driven, mm-hmm. spreadsheet driven, and it is just, hey, hit this number driven. Mm-hmm. So there are people out there who want that experience. Sure. So I think I think it's it's important, you know, 
to understand that if you're not an innovator and your company's not an innovation company and your company's doing successful, you don't have to force this. You don't have to force what we're talking about into what you're doing. But it's important to understand what this topic of discussion, what values, what meaning, what culture, what what creating an innovative culture actually does for an organization. You can't avoid that. You have to understand that. Yeah. It's up and to you to decide whether you want to be that way or not, if, if your employees are open to that or not. But it's incumbent to be educated. It's incumbent to be informed on, on, on where business is going. Yeah. And I, I want to bring up, because we've, Sean and I have talked about this multiple times is, you know, the levels of innovation. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're in an organization that is, is very spreadsheet driven, mm-hmm. your innovation can be very, very small and incremental. Yeah. So you can talk about it's, it's that mindset of being an innovator saying, if my job is an analyst and I look at an Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. and I'm passing it to the next person that's going to look at it and add more data or mm-hmm. adjust it or use it. Well, I can look at it as saying, well, let me go walk down to that next desk, ask that person what would be more useful for them yep. as a product. Yep. And then I can come back and I can add a new filter. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not so just tunnel focused on getting from point A yeah. to point B is yeah. I can actually improve my customer, the next person down the line that's going to look at this Excel sheet on. Mm-hmm. And how can I make their experience a little bit better? Yeah. And it can still be Excel driven, you know, it's still data. Here's my number I need to hit. Yeah. But so you can look at it at different levels of innovation. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be this big bull brand thing. I think you just unlocked something perfect for me too, but it's also now different levels of experience. So, yeah. so I talk about employee experience and, and candidate experience and you just epiphany moment <laughs> inter employee experience is, is a huge part of that. That actually like me as a manager, me as an employee, me as a, a person on the bottom of the rung, it's actually really important on me, on my shoulders to ensure that the people I'm working with have a great experience. Yeah. So, thank you, Chuck. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> it was. I, I, uh, sometimes I think we're just a little more curious about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I was uh, going to a place where I was going to do a, some contract with them. It was just obvious to ask, like, so in in this whole thing, what's the most difficult part of what you're doing trying to get these people together? Just the fact that I asked. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, actually, you know. Well, I have to go here, and this person isn't doing that. So if that's actually something you could impact, that would make my life a lot easier. And so, I mean, even if it's shadowing somebody mm-hmm. for half a day mm-hmm. and just seeing the struggle and you realize, oh, my God, when I don't get my, my timesheets in on time, that's causing Sheila a whole, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. like, or that is not normally thought of as innovation. But it, but it, but it, and, and that's why, again, I... I don't know if this is right. It's personal philosophy. Work smarter, not harder. It's it's what mm-hmm. was pounded into my head forever that the way things are done aren't always the best ways. And if you have an idea, go for it. Figure it out. And it's it's incremental innovation, mm-hmm. small moments of, of importance, moments that matter. Yeah, it, it all builds up to something bigger. I think I think. You know, that is a helpful thing for a leader to hear that. <laughs> well, not all, it's not all going to be at one big moment no, in time. It's not, you got to take time. In fact, and going back to those companies that if I'm a CEO, I just might not think of my company in terms of innovation. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we were talking right before we started here. There's a book out there called The Idea Driven Organization that points to a company, I believe it's Brazil, 
constantly, consistently ranked as the most innovative company out there, and it's a canning company. <laughs> not, not the area that I consider to be bleeding edge. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And yet, if you really think, like, oh, design of cans, alloys, but all the way down to the factory floor where that uh, they tell a story of literally they kind of had a, a regular interval of hiccups in this mm-hmm. particular aspect of the assembly line. But because they had structures in place for people to report and give ideas and do all that and give feedback, it turned out that somebody had actually figured out this slight twist of Mm. a piece of metal. A a level of specialized knowledge that only somebody who was showing up there every day would have, whereas it might have been a cost that was just factored in. We can't do anything about it. We already spent this much money on the specialists and this. No. Can you actually engage that person down to that level? So when we're in some uh, areas that aren't as obvious or uh, uh, another, I'm, I'm also a, on the purposeful leadership uh, group. One of my friend's clients is a, a foam company. <laughs> they make foam for mm-hmm. chairs and this, that. Mm-hmm. Well, they started doing purpose-driven work. And it actually got their employees seeing so many new applications really? or ways like, oh, you know, if we actually retrofitted this machine, we could do X, Y, and Z. And there's people doing this over here. And suddenly the employees were coming up with new products, awesome. new markets, new places. So um, even though there's sometimes people come to me and say, like, what about this? And yeah. I, my feels like you've just put, like, a stick in the front wheel of my brain. I can't think of something <laughs> just out there. The second you start the process of mm-hmm. inquiry being able to step into the, the open-ended questions. It's really interesting what you can start to find. Yeah. And it's it's going back to that CEO who has his or her head in the sand, uh, has their head in the sand, um, right there. I've said it a few times, institutional knowledge. Yep. If you are not retaining your employees, you're not retaining that knowledge that can unlock those little shifts and changes that all of a sudden create those really big waterfalls of innovation. So... Again, this experience, culture, humanity, treating like people like people builds a culture that will unleash, uh, that will get you to a place where innovation should become something that is a little bit more tangible and natural to, to everyone in the, in, the, in the organization. Yeah, and I think that that's the big thing that we find is that when you start in- implementing these things, and it could literally start from hey, we're really going to do a value statement. We're mm-hmm. going to start actually doing small little workshops with our people to start to implement this and get them thinking from there and see what happens. These very easy access points, but the the broad trend then becomes, oh, you actually have a company and your managers and your leadership who go from being reactive, we need to make X amount yep. more because of blah, 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 to being proactive about really creating who we really are. And that's the kind of stuff that filters into all different aspects. Yeah. You know? Uh, if you look at the can line award-winning campaigns, it's safe to say that eight out of every ten has to do with something incredibly human and social mm-hmm. impact driven mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of where they were thinking from and who they wanted to be as an organization yeah. out in the world. Yeah. Now, they may have been come up with by an ad agency. <laughs> Probably some of those winners hey, are sitting you know, yeah. in, in this room. Somebody <laughs> at some company said... Women are important now. We need to do an ad on yeah. them. We can't, we can't always be, like, there is some cynicism on that, too. Absolutely. But, but yes, absolutely. I think as an organization, as an as a agency who has put meaning at the center of everything we do, it is our purpose statement, is creating meaningful connections between brands, companies, people, employees, et cetera. It's, it is so inspiring, and it is actually really 
engaging and energizing for me as a practitioner to actually see that brands are getting this now, you know, belabor it again, but Nike and Colin Kaepernick and Nike and the Betsy Ross flag that took some balls and that really, really could have backfired. It didn't. And I'm glad it didn't, but, but that is what we're expecting now. And, And it's, 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 it is a sea change. It is a moment of change where C-suite has finally realized culture is driving company. Culture is something to sell. You know, the, the, the employees are actually our brand. Our culture is our brand. Yeah. There's an, there's an, I'm sorry. There's an example that's just too good not to bring up is, um, one, uh, there's a, so the, the, the Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. Nike's done is obviously kind of at the extreme end yep. where people are really putting it on the line, uh, risking being divisive. And there's tons of debates about yep. that out yep. there. Uh, there's a, there's a campaign a while back that G-Star Raw did mm-hmm. called Raw for the Oceans. Yep. yep. So this was such a great campaign because it really took a company who was already cool, already established, they're doing fine, but coming at it from, well, what if we existed for something other than selling jeans to cool mm-hmm. kids? Mm-hmm. What if we existed, say, for saving the oceans? And so what they did, for people who don't know, is they actually partnered up with a company called Bionic Yarn who figured out how to convert uh, plastics that were harvested from the ocean. It's not harvested, it's collected. <laughs> <laughs> Get that terminology right. Uh, and turn those into real viable yeah. threads and fabrics. Yeah. And what they did is they even had to retrofit their manufacturing to create this line, the first ever line of denim made completely from recycled plastic mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the ocean. And in the process of really fulfilling on something about, wow, who could we really be? Suddenly Pharrell got interested. Yep. Now Pharrell came on board, put the whole this is when Be Happy was the mm-hmm. you know the hit, and they created an animation, a whole bunch of characters that went along with this. And it's still a fashion brand at the end of the day. So what do they do? Instead of having a normal runway show, they move it up to the Museum of Natural History on the Upper West Side, underneath the big whale, and have this huge cross-cultural mm-hmm. smash up of innovators, thinkers, people in the hip-hop world, people in the fashion world, conservationists, and that ad campaign, the whole, you know, they, they had this campaign working now at all levels, yeah. gave them, I forget how many millions of dollars in free PR. Yep. Plus, if you go back and think about it, I remember I was doing some work with another fashion brand who was known for its very black and white gray, <laughs> and that's what their culture was like, too. Yeah. Um, if I'm an employee now looking for a new job, and I'm faced with those two options, who do I want to go work oh, for? Oh, absolutely. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. So... In the beginning, there is this state of ambiguity. There is this kind of unknown. There's maybe this uh, unwillingness to kind of go do something that looks like a cost outlay in the beginning. But those are, the, you know, the benefit. The what are the what's the saying? The future benefits the bold. That's not the saying, but um, okay, anyway, anyway, sure. Anyway, <laughs> the, the, the people who are getting the Canline Awards. <laughs> the yeah. ones are taking a chance. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I don't want to talk about the future because everyone talks about the future, but we don't see behind us. We only see what's ahead of us. We only see what's what's coming up. Don't avoid it. Ante- anticipate it. Mm-hmm. Be excited about it. But look a little bit further, too. It, the, the horizon is always a little bit further than you think it is. And those companies that are chasing it, that aren't just happy to innovate, get to a place where people know them who are actually always uncomfortable, not trying something new. 
they're the ones who are are blowing it out of the water. They're the Adidas's with Parley. They're they're Juice Star Raw. They're all of these companies who are saying there's something bigger going on in the world that we need to get involved in, but not just for us to make profit, but for us to actually make yeah. impact. And yeah. it's it's you know it's inspiring to see. Of course, it's you know revenue driven sometimes, but at but, least the message is getting out there. Yeah, I mean it's. Um I've had the privilege to work in some of these companies, um, and it's when you have that big, bold, stretch value mm-hmm. proposition, and mm-hmm. it's driven through everything from the the design of the product, the go-to-market, mm-hmm. the sales, the distribution, yep. the marketing. Um, I actually worked on a, a project for as a designer for Timberland, mm-hmm. and we were doing this collection called the Abington Collection, which was a small micro-collection. Um, and we drove that story from start to finish, right mm-hmm. on through. Even we had um, consumers, our idealized yeah. consumer, yeah. who happened to be a photographer, do all the shots oh, for the great. marketing. That's great, yeah. And yeah. so he became a brand representative, mm-hmm. not only doing amazing work for the marketing team, but he also was out there preaching to the community of people mm-hmm. we wanted to sell it to. Mm-hmm. So like, I think, and that goes back to the G star, it goes, it's the brands that truly believe in their value proposition and drive that through everything, yep. just bleed it. Yeah. Are more successful than Nike's and Adidas is. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's easy for companies like those. It's always easy for us to reference a Nike or an Adidas or, or, or any of those companies. But you know, you were talking about it beforehand, Chuck Cleveland clinic is, yep. is on that level of, progressive innovation. Um, Amex is one of yeah. the greatest corporations for leadership. Um, there was, uh, it was an HBR article I was reading and they were asking, you know, what have you done to change your L and D programs? And the, the executive from Amex said, well, for the longest time we didn't really invest in them because we realized people were leaving. And why are we going to invest in this money if people are going to leave us and go be managers elsewhere? And the executive was like, well, that's BS. We want to be known as the place that the best managers in business come from. So that is the investment they've made is saying, okay, you might leave us, but when you go to another company, you're going to blow it away there. And that company is going to know you came from Amex. So now all of the college students and all of these people who are looking mm-hmm. to become managers or, or, or shifting their career, that's out there. Go to Amex and you will become a leader. You will become a change agent, a force of, of, of innovation mm-hmm. and, of, and of the future. So it's, you know, it's... Well, it's the it's opposite of that. Yeah. Well, it, it's <laughs> the opposite of that scarcity mentality. The, the competition, my, I'm either going... That's a perfect example is I'm, I'm going to lose if my competition wins, so I can't give them anything of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unilever mm-hmm. is one we should mm-hmm. not overlook yeah. because Unilever is probably one of the biggest... Uh, corporations out in the world actually really walking the talk mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. their efforts to become carbon neutral, sustainable yep. are, have been audacious. And of course there was, even for me, there was cynicism right up oh, front. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I forget the university, but there was a university that had a strong ecology department. Now, if you backed up 15 years ago, can you imagine how Unilever occurred to a bunch of ecology students looking out <laughs> to go be conservationists in the world who, yeah. you know, maybe just wanted to go hook up a job in Denali Park or in National yeah. Park or something. <laughs> and now they've got Unilever coming like, hey, come work for us. Like you can probably appreciate the sentiment yeah. at the time. Yeah. 
But Unilever really was committed. Yeah. And so as they've begun to be the real deal, it's actually converted that schools. Now, that is the place that everybody wants to go work. Why? Because they actually have an opportunity to have a real impact in there. It actually calls it forth. I mean, yeah. I've got friends in there and so surprised to find out that their CEO actually had done his own workshops about being a purpose-driven individual, purpose-driven leader, and then just literally started conducting it with his That's C-suite great. and yeah, his yeah. other managers all the way down into, I mean, I've got friends working on with mayonnaise there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are actually alive and lit up saying that that's some of the most impactful work that that's they've awesome. done. Yeah. So it's, I mean, if you really think about ecology students going from like that would be like the horrible corporate man to yeah. that's a place where I can actually fulfill on my commitment in life. That's the power of leadership, being able to really catalyze people's real potential, real commitment. It's interesting. One of the, one of the case studies in the meaningful brands, uh, the work we do is Danone, and their their executives quote is, "We want anyone when they're making a choice to buy food, to actually realize they're making a choice for the world, for the better, for the future of the world." Mm-hmm. So again, going back to that corporate responsibility, going back to understanding that it's not just selling yogurt. It's 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 bigger than yogurt. It's 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 impacting the world and affecting the world. And it feels really silly to say that. It really feels silly to say, "Hey, your choice in yogurt could change the world." But companies are actually doing that. They're well, they're, 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 they're educating to that, and that they would yeah. educate their consumers. Like it's it's actually opening it up to, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're actually interested in a larger conversation. We want you to be a part of that." Yeah. Yeah. Versus and, and, like, yeah. <laughs> buy our yogurt. Hey, we've just got a, some new <laughs> vanilla peach flavors. Cool. Right. And Unilever invests in that because they go to with um, Ben and Jerry's, mm-hmm. and then Ben and Jerry's. You know, I have a, a here in Bronx is the Greystone Bakery. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them, no. um, but they they make all the brownies. Oh, really? That go into Ben and Jerry's. They also you can also go to Whole Foods here in the city uh-huh. and, and New York and and buy uh, the the, the Greystone brownies. They're but called, um, they're called the Do Goody. Yeah, <laughs> but they're built on a really amazing philosophy. Um, the whole co- company bleeds philosophy, yeah, the yeah. Zen philosophy. But they also have an implement which helps the Yonkers mm-hmm. um, is open hiring. They'll hire anybody that walks in the door. Really? Yeah. That's um, great. And there's obviously a program and a process put in place to ensure, but um, you know, it, it trickles all the way down there. So it's actually helping. You know, the philosophy is actually helping yeah. the local community. That's great. Yeah. Well, I actually used to work with them and. I don't know what percentage, but there's a lot of their employees actually were people who were on government assistance, homeless. Sure. Yep. I mean, it was a very active program, incarcerated. So, and and that's a particular area that uh, the area around is actually rather depressed. Mm-hmm. And when you go through that place, you see people with a level of pride and ownership, and and I mean, it's just a fun place. Yeah. And yeah. they're and they're making brownies, but yeah. it's got a big factory <laughs> floor, <laughs> you know, and they're great. And I'm so, so I was. And they, and they load you up real good when you leave. Yeah. So that's another benefit. But you know what? Like, you can't overlook, again, uh, I'm going to go, it's in the name of my agency. You can't overlook the, the value of people and, mm-hmm. and the value of treating them like humans. To feel pride, to feel satisfaction, to feel inspired is such a powerful feeling that anything you can do to forge that in your in your organization is going to bear positive results. Um, to build a, a, a 
a group of curious thinkers. And not everyone needs to be that, but to put a few in key mm-hmm. areas to just let them do their thing and let other people kind of absorb that, it's really important. Yeah. It's, it's you know, I, I wish I could shake people and, and get them to realize this sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but we're getting there, you know? No, yeah. it, it, the tide is turning. It's It, it may be coming from a more cynical place, mm. but those who are actually getting out ahead and putting these things in, and again, it just... It can be done simply. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's the that's the good news. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm a hundred percent cynic in every other aspect of my life besides the belief in this, because you you can see it. You can see when a company says, We gotta change it. We gotta change the way we've done things. And when they do it right, it works extremely well. When they do it wrong, when they lie, when they're not honest with who they are, it fails. And you can see it with your coworkers, with your colleagues, when you're engaged with each other, when you're collaborating, all of a sudden, oh, man, that diversity, we are answering questions faster. There are so many examples of why culture uh, engagement and driving an innovative kind of feel within within your population is successful, is, is the recipe for success moving forward. So, again, to that CEO with your head in the sand... I'm sorry, bud, but you got a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I, this has been a great conversation. I know we kind of probably unpacked so many great <laughs> points that we can keep going on, but I, I really appreciate you taking the time out today no, my pleasure. and having us over to check out your digs. Yeah. Thank you guys for inviting me. Yes. And, uh, and really for any, uh, more information you can be found at. Uh, I am on LinkedIn at Tim Middleton. I think it's LinkedIn slash Tim.Middleton. And then our website is USA.HavasPeople.com. But you can also go to Havas.com. All the Instagrams, all those socials were there um, everywhere. But uh, really enjoyed the, the conversation and, 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 and hope to continue it in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks Thank so you much. very much. Cool. If you'd like to learn more about our workshops or consulting and innovation strategy services, please visit us at evolutionofinnovation.com or email us at hello at evolutionofinnovation.com.